Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Good morning, Vietnam! I drink your milkshake. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Hey, Film Files, welcome back to the show. So excited to be here. Uh, we got a whole room full of people today. Uh, we have three writers and a music composer, and we're all living in Chicago. So today we're going to be talking about The Batman. came out um, like a month ago, and I wanted to wait a while to talk about it because I wanted to do a spoiler-heavy episode. We can't really do our show and be spoiler-free. If you've never listened to us, generally we take a movie each episode, pick it apart to see what works and to see what doesn't and why. So The Batman came out and was directed by Matt Reeves, who has only done, I think, four movies. He did Cloverfield, Let Me In, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and War of the Planet of the Apes. And the DP, uh, his name is Greg Frazier, and I only mention this because this movie was very stylistic and just very artsy-heavy. Uh, he did... Dune, Rogue One, Mandalorian, and Vice. And then, because I know it's going to come up, the music composer, uh, this guy named Michael Giacchino, who does a lot of the Pixar movies. And he's kind of the Hollywood default for a lot of stuff. And I personally think some of his stuff kind of runs together. Um, but we'll get into all of that. So why don't we just go around and introduce ourselves, starting with you. Hello, my name is CJ, the film composer. My name is Anna, and I am a writer. Uh, my name is Sam, and I'm a writer. And my name is Jimmy, and I'm married to Anna. And all week we have not talked about the Batman in the house, me and Anna, and this has been very, very difficult. We saw it last weekend with Sam and his wife, and the more time passes, the more I like it. And Anna said that it's the opposite for her. So I guess maybe we can start with, the I would call it the universal truths of the bad of this movie, which is that it had no, no business being three hours long. It really started to fall apart in the third act. Um, there were like three or four different endings that this movie like passed up. Do you find that that's generally the worst parts of the movie? What I mentioned? Well, you know, I think since you haven't, you two haven't talked about it this whole week, you've earned it. So why don't you guys riff off at first and then see? Okay. Okay. I'll start with the three hour long thing. Um, this is the hill that I will continue to die on. So as for as long as Hollywood keeps making movies that are like way too long for its own good. I don't know at what point in the last decade, directors were just like, you know what? Two hours isn't enough time. We're going to add in 30 minutes and then 45 minutes. Now it feels like every major release is at least two hours and 45 minutes long, if not longer than that. And it used to be reserved for directors who were known for these epics. You know, these like Ridley Scott, for example, has never made a movie under two hours and 45 minutes. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would bet like a good amount of money on that. But now that's like the industry standard that you go to a movie and at the runtime is always when I look at it, I'm like, why the fuck is this two hours and 58 minutes long? It doesn't need to be that long. It's a fucking Batman movie. We know who he is. We don't need, you know, not to like world build that much. We know this character. We've known him for decades. So didn't love that it needed to be three hours long. And it was, it did feel very bloated. But at the same time, the story somehow didn't feel it, did, it didn't feel cohesive. Yeah, it, it wasn't tight. There was a whole part in the middle where I was like, well, what? why is the penguin even here? He was like a whole red herring in the plot. I was like, you could have completely cut his character out. The movie wouldn't have been any, really have been that different. We could talk more about the penguin in depth, but it just, yes, three hours, it felt super bloated. 
there were parts of it that I really did like. I'm very ambivalent to it. I guess it's like a 50-50 split for me because I think where this movie did stand on its own in the Batman world, the Batman ether, because there are so many Batmans in the last hundred years of our lives, is that this did feel uniquely like its own iteration. There were elements that felt similar to, you know, Schumacher or, you know, even the the Keaton movies, but it did feel distinctly like, okay, this is a new Gotham. This is a new Batman. This is, we've got a whole incredibly dramatic, noir, gothic feel to this city. And we haven't felt that yet in a Batman. So I was like, okay, well, at least it's got an artistic vision and it stuck to it and it leaned into it. Sometimes to its own detriment, it was so, so, so dramatic. And every line of dialogue, everything was just so... Even Commissioner Gordon had a Batman voice. Yes, every, I was like, Theatrical. Yeah. It was fighting itself at times with the dialogue and, and the way it was in the cinematography against uh, a very kind of noirish and street-level grittiness that you get from these more realistic stories, uh, similar to Daredevil and Jessica Jones, the TV shows on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't really work as far as I'm concerned in that like those those two ideas are they're contradictory uh, in their nature. And I feel that the reason it was so theatrical is because Batman, the character and the other the other characters, like the actors themselves, didn't have the presence to hold the weight of theatrics that they were trying to present. So they were needing to slow down, slow down the film and bring up the music and ramp up the expectation like when they introduce the batmobile for the first time they 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 introduce <laughs> it. it in a very yeah it's great introduction to it but the payoff in that and a lot of other scenes doesn't fulfill the promise the intro to that moment provides so like the batmobile has an amazing opening for itself and then it's all really difficult to follow and it's over too soon and there's not a lot going on in the chase a lot of times anymore, I'm reminded of Michael Bay, who's his his directing style. He's is is amazing. To be honest with you, he's a, he's an amazing director. But if you give him a poor script, it's going to be a bad product. If you give him something like uh, what was that? Pain and Gain. Uh, Pain and Gain. You give him a great script, and his visual style is gonna like the execution is gonna be off the charts. Uh, but I feel that Batman with Matt Reeves wasn't the right director for this screenplay. And this screenplay felt a lot like a first draft because it's taken from three different storylines. It's taken from Batman Year One. It's taken from Hush and from Court of Owls. And he's, it's like... And the Long Halloween, right? And the Long Halloween, yeah. He's, it's like he put him in a blender and then just pulled random pieces out. Like, she's she, at one point, Catwoman brings up the fact that uh, Falcone is her father. But it has no weight to the story. There's no real yeah. point to that because that's not what the story's about. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in, I think it was Long Halloween, the fact that he's her father plays a pretty seminal role. But he's also got two other kids in that movie that he's aware of. One of whom is his daughter, who runs a mafia outfit out of Chicago, and is his son, who's impotent, who's a very important uh, red herring, as a matter of fact. Story. Maybe that's why the penguin felt so expendable, because they like, I, I don't, I'm not well versed in the comics at all, but maybe that's why the penguin, I was like, what is he even doing here? Yeah, it's like he There's replaced his son with the penguin. Yeah, and they really doesn't work. They wanted to shoehorn in another, you know, famous Batman criminal or villain or whatever, which I guess makes sense because these are characters we're familiar with. But it was an ambitious script, I think. They were trying to tell a lot of things and the story to get kind of twisty where you're trying to like follow along. Okay, well, then who? Then who? Then who? But 
it also didn't commit to a story structure of like, is this a detective movie? Is this like a superhero movie? Like I was trying to figure out, okay, definitely well, not an action we? movie. I was trying to feel for the middle point where he has to, you know, the character, your 50% point is typically the point in a film where, you know, at least in this, in like a, a major motion picture, like a typical Western style commercial storytelling where the character has to make a choice. It kind of, it was Batman had to make a lot of little choices and it, they just didn't, I never really felt like the structure made sense. So when you did get to the third act, it was, it all kind of like, it felt sloppy. And we can talk about the third act more in depth because that's where I was like, okay, fuck this. I mean, I think that it was, it was very plot driven and it's almost like it wanted you to think it was character. Yes. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Yeah. There was no meat to these people and they wanted it to, I think that's what they really wanted it to feel like. But I walked away from that thinking, okay, well, we know the Batman's backstory. You know, we know he's orphaned, that he's wealthy, that he fights crime because of his shit with his parents. But we didn't get anything new aside from that. So we didn't get any new takes on the Batman. And we really didn't even get him going deeper into that at all, even though the Riddler is targeting targeting him specifically for his family background. Well, character motives don't really make sense in the movie either. Because you've got Batman working with the police. Which but is to, weird. Kind of. For the what police purpose? hated him, which I yeah, really appreciate. One police officer, but, I guess. Yeah. yeah one cop. I mean, the whole station, you know, that, that scene was kind of silly. but Yeah. Like, why didn't they take his mask off if they dislike him so much? And like, <laughs> but why was Gordon working with him? Like, I didn't understand the benefit of that to, to anyone involved. And then the fact that he was clearly working with Gordon and the police, why did the Riddler trust him? And if... Given the fact that the Riddler trusted him, why was the Riddler giving him riddles when he just had this presumption that Batman was working with him the whole time? Like, that didn't make any sense. Because in the comics and, like, in other iterations of the story, the Riddler is giving riddles to Batman because he thinks that he's smarter than Batman because he doesn't like Batman. But in this, there's no real point for him to give him riddles if he thinks that the Batman's on his side. Yeah, and, and Batman solves those riddles real quick. Yeah, yeah well, he's like really good at solving riddles, <laughs> but he doesn't really solve. I mean, like the bombs still go off, you know, the flood still happens. Yeah, he picks up that carpenter tool and he only figures that out because that one cop happens to have an uncle who's a carpenter and like mm. basically oh, tells yeah. Batman what to because do. Because movie reasons. Yeah. <laughs> that was a because movie reasons yeah. moment. Sometimes in a story, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. We're just going to just going to do something real convenient because. To balance that out, I'll top with some good in that Robert Pattinson, so he's the 10th actor to portray Batman, if we're going to count Will Arnett in the Batman Lego movies. Oh, he's got a great voice. We should count that. Yeah, that's, I think we should count it too. There yeah. were two Batmans before that count Adam ben West Affleck? took over. Yes, that's, that includes Ben Affleck. The worst. Yeah. So I do appreciate that Rob Pattinson... He just looked so uncomfortable as Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne was so uncomfortable in his own skin. Uh, you know, in the, in the Nolan versions, obviously this is Batman years down the road, but Bruce Wayne and Batman are two very distinct personalities, and Bruce Wayne is very comfortable being Bruce Wayne, and he shows up at restaurants with drunk girls who like to do fountain swimmies. But that's the character of Bruce Wayne. And the and I think in Nolan Sometimes movies, it, yeah, in the Nolan movies, they make it clear that Bruce Wayne is as much of a character as Batman is, and the only person that really knows the real Bruce Wayne is in, Katie Holmes. Kate, no, it was Maggie Dillon Hall oh, in the right, Christian right, Bale. Right. But that was the difference Rachel, yeah. of the Batman psyche in the Nolan yeah, movies. Rachel, well, and thank so, you. so this is what makes comparison hard: is that we're comparing like brand new Batman 
with like Batman 10 years down the road. Right, we got young Batman. So like Batman in The Batman, he's got this whole like, I am vengeance. And then he runs into that Riddler crook who also says, I am vengeance. Batman is realizing that just being vengeance and like a tool of vengeance is not enough anymore. Like he needs to be a beacon of hope. And so there were some distinct differences I feel like Rob made as this Batman. And the Batmobile in past Batmans has really only served as transportation and be cool. That's all you got to do. And so this one had the Batmobile is like truly a tool of fear. And so when they introduced that Batmobile, it's like a little shocking and startling and it's supposed to be. But just the overall sense of Batman trying to instill this fear so that every time a criminal looks into a, a shadow into an alley, he thinks that Batman is there. And when they finally introduce Batman in the beginning of the movie with that subway fight, oh, I thought that was so good. See, that, that was a really good The sound design was so good. I mean, his footsteps. And you're like really squinting your eyes trying to see his appearance. Like, I've never it's, seen that in a Batman movie. It's a good introduction to Batman, but that's the part that made me wonder why, what was it that made Gordon trust Batman? Just this guy who's going around beating up a bunch of kids? Uh, see, what I think is a thing in the movie that I liked, but also didn't like is they're just already um, assuming that you know Batman. They don't need to show you, like, the ground buildup. They're just showing you where he's at. I could have used more of, like, why are, you know, Gordon and you working together? Like, what? let's let's work that, because I don't feel Jeffrey Wright was used well enough in this film. Yeah, and, um, like, they But they're assuming well, yeah. this that stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. They, but you're right. Like, they work so well together, so much together in the movie that I want to know what caused this. Personally, I think that, like, the killing joke, if they wanted to go this route, they should have done the killing joke before they did either of these things, because that would have given Batman and Gordon a reason to, like, be together, come together and, and trust each other to that degree, because they really do trust each other a lot. But killing joke's Joker, right? Killing joke is Joker. I don't think they're going to do Joker for a minute. You know? Well, I hope I not, hope because that. they allude to that at the end of the movie, and I was like, if we get another fucking Joker movie, before the Joaquin Phoenix movie, we had two really standout Jokers. We had Jack Nicholson, and we had Heath Ledger. And nobody believed that Heath Ledger could do it. People were like, I remember, we were talking about this the other mm-hmm. night, that like, when that casting was announced, they were like, really? The guy from 10 Things I Hate About You? And then obviously, he blew it out of the water, and I think the Dark Knight is probably the most beloved Batman movie. Um, but then, so they hint at it at the end when the Riddler is locked in the cell. And I was like, There's because so we just got the Joker and we got a great version of the Joker. I liked the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, but we've had so many and we've had some really great ones. Yeah. It's not like he was like a tiny little B player and he was played by a nobody. He was played by really big giants. So we don't need to go there. There are so many villains in the Batman movies. So I, if that's, and I guess Robert Pattinson signed on for three movies. Mm-hmm. So I guess it looks like maybe that, hopefully I'm wrong. And that, that was just another like, gotcha. Just kidding. We're going to take it a different direction. Can't, it's going to be very hard to differentiate from a different, from a Joker story that's already been told even in the last 10 years. It's clear to me that I like the movie more than anybody else in this room. I, I, <laughs> I disagree. Like I, I felt up until about two hours and 10 minutes that I really enjoyed this movie, except for the music and even yeah, parts t- of the Talk cue. about the music a little bit, man. I was really like, <laughs> and I'm still, you know, I'm going through reading like, why is no one feeling the way that I'm feeling? You yeah, know, everyone's yeah. like, this score is 
a once in a generation score. And it's really? like, yeah, it's, it's bad. And I again, it was really forgettable. It was super forget. Well, not forgettable for me. Cause I was so pissed that this guy decided to say, okay, I'm going to take this something in the way. And that's the motif of Batman. Like it's no change. It's the so same hasty. notes. It may be like a little bit, you know, like a, a rest taken out or something, but it's, it's the same thing. Like when I walked That's out with ostinato people. over yeah. and over and over again. Same yeah. thing. I think so. I read that it was like 120 something times in the movie are those notes. Now, some of the cues are, are nice. Like there's some Catwoman stuff in there. That's really nice and thoughtful. Uh, and then the, the tension stuff I thought was really well done. You know, it's hard as like a fellow musician to like, I understand you have such big things on your shoulders when you're trying to tackle this. But you fucked up Rogue One that like you changed the Star Wars theme to make it your own. You, you know, you haven't really done that many callbacks in the Jurassic Park series. Like you're given these huge platforms. Yeah. And you're just taking it and not like give me a little bit of Danny Elfman in there. You know? Like yeah. that's the there best one... score to me is is the Danny Elfman. And yeah. it's like you can't even give a little bit of that. So I think that Michael Giacchino, and I'm I'm like 90% sure that I'm right about this, it has been given the torch from John Williams. That's why he's everywhere now. Unfortunately, yes. they, Yeah, so they like, they're literally what almost like was like a passing ceremony where it was John was like, I'm going to start to retire. Here's your next guy. But I want to, I'm curious what your thoughts are on their usage of the Ave Maria in this movie. I loved how it started off. Like, it was funny, the person that I saw it with, the two people, but I was sitting next to us and at the same time, we're both like, okay, you know, like yeah. that was such an interesting choice. But as the bombs are going off and they're having that whole thing and he's singing, I'm like, I've heard this three times. I'm over this. I agree. It's stupid. The, the music placement and the music editing was awful in this movie. I thought it was so overused. There's parts of something in the way that are blocking dialogue. that seems like it might be important with Kurt Cobain's lyrics and, I fucking hate Kurt Cobain anyway, so it's hard to hear like his words against him. Yeah. I think that that is a symptom of the forced grandiosity. Like a, a great, I feel, case in point for this like force, like this coercion towards m- trying to make people feel a certain way is is when he's pushing that table and he's got his shirt off. Oh, okay. I got a lot of comments on that. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing there. Like, who is this Emaciated guy? Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Why did they choose to do that? Okay, first of all, that totally lost. I was like, this lends no credence to the character of Batman because, first of all, I do not believe that this malnourished this child physique. is capable of all the violence that he's done so far. First of all, that suit looks heavy as hell. So you're telling me that he wears the suit and then kicks a bunch of ass in the suit when he has, like, no muscle mass? And I know that Bruce Wayne is supposed to be younger. Like, we're kind of getting the beginning of the Batman here. But it just made no I was like, you did it, we don't. And if Robert Pattinson, for some reason, didn't want to bulk up for this, if that just wasn't in the cards for him. There was an argument between Matt yeah. Reeves and that, that he, they, he ended up catching COVID is what they called. Well, then that's to fine. To try and bulk up for a couple, you know, a couple extra weeks. Don't make him shirtless then. Yeah. We don't, like, Warner I Brothers wouldn't have hired known. a personal trainer and Pattinson didn't use it. And there was, he got in a lot of trouble for that. That kind of irritates me because like, if he got sick, that's one thing. So if it's, if COVID made him sick and unable to exercise. No, they, they like, use that as an excuse well, for him okay. to like, get a couple extra weeks of workout in. But there. that, so that drives me nuts because here you are, you're getting paid a lot of money, Right. You're going to pay a lot of money to be in a huge franchise that has the weight of some major studios behind you. And you don't want to be in character. Like, I remember Christian Bale got pretty big for the role. Like, he was, 
he was very muscular when he was Batman. But he was also Batman in his like his 30s. He'd been doing it for a while. Well, well he Batman the beginning. Ma- he went from the machinist at one oh, right, right. Yes. to 2004. You know, a, a year he gained 60 pounds of muscle mass and looked, you know, fucking great as, yes. as yeah. Batman. Yeah, and he looked great. And so like even if we get younger Batman here, just seeing him with I was like, "Oh my god, you can't tell me this fucking yeah. twerp is beating up people that, all That was a Gotham. huge problem for me too. It, it totally, totally took, took a, me it, out. Yeah, it definitely and did. It, it just it, and like if that if he didn't want to exercise, don't put him in there shirtless. Yeah, just you can hide he's that. in like street clothes in a couple of scenes you can hide that with a sweater yeah. also just looks like gotham is permanently like 32 degrees like it looks you know yeah what's he do he didn't need to be shirtless in that scene it wasn't a love scene it didn't there was no need for it we didn't yeah. even get to see like scars mm. it was just like a very white person with- his, i mean his, his biceps are the same size as his wrist yeah yeah so that drove me nuts because, yeah. like, you're you're, you're not an doing amazing- justice to the character exactly you're not and and you cannot make the argument that Whatever iteration of the Batman you choose, unless it's that unauthorized Aronofsky batshit crazy version, which they took some from to make this, you cannot make the argument that this is right for the character. Yeah. Yeah. It, doesn't make, do, it wouldn't even make any sense. You do see him struggle with some of those fights. Like, there's parts <laughs> where I think that he's not, like, fully developed it. Yeah. He's but, struggling you know, in fights against, like, ten yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, it's tough because I, I totally feel you but I really love the way Patterson like played the rest of it. Yes, you know? totally. Uh, yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Maybe they could have come up with some like line of snippet between Alfred and him, you know, being like, Oh, you know, we're still working on building this physique out or the total what, gym you know, is still in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Supply chain. Or box. just like, you know, um, you know, he feels that it's not as necessary and he's going to use more of the, like gadgets that he has to try yeah. and win some of these fights. Like if that's yeah. how you're going to take it. But I agree. Like you're getting paid a lot of money to do this. The benefits are going to only, you know, compound like, yeah, how can you get paid There's... millions of dollars and you're like in pretty decent shape and you can just build on top of that. Yeah. Like, come on. man. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, there's no way for that to serve the story. Well, I was just going to say, if you look at dark Knight rises, while I didn't like that movie at all, they do explain that away. They have a scene where Batman, where where Bruce Wayne is saying like, oh, "I'm, you know, I'm all shitty and my knee doesn't work and everything." So he's running away from every fight in that movie. He doesn't really fight at all in that movie. Yeah, and they explain it in the first part, but like they don't explain anything. Like exactly what you're said saying. He had a gland issue or something. In three hours worth of time, you would think that they would find a place to explain <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. There's room. There's well, room. Well, yeah, yeah, to me that says room. that they didn't really think it was a problem. They just like went I with think it. that that probably took them by surprise. But I do, I love the eye makeup that they showed. because My Chemical every, Batman. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, but there was a, a clip that I watched from the Michael Keaton Batman. And he takes his mask off, but they show a clip of him. And he obviously has eyeliner on with the cowl on. They cut away and then they show him again. And he still has the cowl on, but his eye makeup is gone because he's going to take the mask off. Yeah, because so, movie reasons. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, like, a man I with a bunch great. of coal smeared across his eye isn't as sexy. <laughs> so they didn't make Bruce Wayne sexy in this. Like, no, I don't think they were trying to, though. Yeah. Made him an Except for the shirtless thing. Trying to, they were trying, trying to, to and I was like, there, ooh, yeah. honey, no. I mean, yeah, they it didn't really. Yeah, it, it didn't even really make him like come off as vulnerable either, which maybe that could have been a reason to have him without his shirt on. But I, re- I liked um, Andy Serkis as Alfred. Yeah, I, I did liked too. the general bat tech it all seemed like something realistically that two guys could scrounge up in two years 
you know. Oh, can I make one small complaint about technology in this movie? Mm-hmm. The opening scene when the mayor's in his home, this really jilted me for a second. Oh, I was yeah. like, what year are we in? The mayor is in his, the, the first scene where the mayor is murdered by the Riddler, his phone rings and he answers a home phone. Mm, yeah. And I was like, wait, are we in like 90s? What's going on? I did like that. I didn't like that. Oh, I okay. thought that was weird because I didn't know. It took me a second. I was like, wait, well, what decade are we setting this in? Because everybody's, and then and then the movie starts to go on and we see all the tech and we see that it's clearly supposed to be like the 21st century. And I thought that was a really weird choice to have him answer a home phone. Instead I kind of, of like that. Just answer a cell phone. I, it kind of seemed like a, an anachronism like, to throw in where you don't really know what year this movie is taking place. That's, yeah. and, and I, I think that was a conscious decision. To yeah, it was definitely so a conscious decision. But then the rest of the movie, like, there's all this technology. Like, Batman's got some really cool technology. His his contact lenses in mm-hmm. particular. I was like, that's a good idea. Yep. I don't know. We haven't seen that yet. Yeah. And there's just, like, there are moments where it feels like it's supposed to be the 21st century. But then it it just, I was like, wait, whoa. It, it threw me off for a second to see a home phone. And then everybody's got cell phones. So, I don't know. That just yeah. scared to me. One of the other things that bothered me was the multiple unreliable narrators where like somebody told Batman that, oh, did you know that your father had someone killed? And then everybody in the audience is like, what? We thought he was pure too. And then he goes and talks to Alfred and Alfred's like, oh yeah, no, that's not true. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's good then. Well, it was, you know, wasn't that it was, wasn't true. Like it wasn't true, but it was like a variation of it. Yeah, like, that's he still true. took you know, uh, a step forward to try and have a situation dealt with. So I enjoyed that, that it was like uh, that image is shattered of the yes. perfect parents for yes. him. And that that's something else that we haven't seen. More, I mean, that really set in the mood of him, like the scribbled handwriting in the dark with the eye makeup, you know, in the <laughs> journals. Like I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I could see that. I do like that too, because everybody likes to think of their parents as like the perfect role models. And then you get older and you see things and you learn things about your parents and, uh, you know, his whole character is based on this idea of his father. And now he thinks that, like, this image is not actually totally true. Um, I also really like the Riddler. And there was a lot that was really? taken from. Yeah, there was a lot that was taken from Seven, which I appreciate. Uh, whereas, like, that's what this movie felt like. It felt a lot like Seven. But, like, think about how the Riddler, like the Riddler and John Doe were basically had the exact same story. Except that where they went wrong, I feel like at the end of seven, John Doe has Brad Pitt kill him to be the last deadly sin. So like John Doe had to die for the story to finish its arc. Whereas in this one, when they finally captured the Riddler, it was like you didn't really have to get captured for the story to continue. It didn't. You know what I mean? Like there's no reason why you needed to turn yourself in because everything that happened after also could have happened if you were still, you know, like nobody got close to catching you. Batman never got close. Oh, you yeah. know, I loved the Riddler, but I also love, you know, movies that are in the vein of a serial killer. I've always wanted that from Batman because it feels like it would just be a, a really good match. So I really enjoyed it. But I would be curious to see from two writer vantage points, like what did you guys think was the purpose of, you know, him just, like, giving himself up, you know? And just, like, I felt there was such a strong performance from Paul Dano with the mask, and then it's all of a sudden we're, like, taken completely out of it, and now yeah. we're the third act. Like, what did what would you think was the purpose of that? So the purpose, 
at the end of that movie, you find out that he was re- relying on a lot of assumptions. <laughs> the purpose for him... <laughs> Bring not, him to the light. <laughs> yeah. But, this light post right here? Yeah. This one? <laughs> exactly, exactly. The reason he got caught was because he felt he would be safe from the flood in Arkham Prison. I'm not sure if it was Arkham or not. I, well, I think no, it was. It was Arkham said because it, yeah. the that's Waynes and the Arkhams. Yeah, so that's that's why. But like, how's, how's he supposed to know the water level rise? You know? Yeah. So that was the reason. And like, the place He knew that Batman him. was going to fuck up. He wasn't going to get it. Well, he actually thought that Batman was just going to hang out with him in Arkham Asylum and they were just going to watch all this happen. But why? It was just <laughs> such, a, it was such an immediate and quick downfall of like, of the Riddler. I hated that scene in the, in the interrogation room. I yeah. really disliked him. They could have taken him out of the equation without having him get arrested. I don't know. It would have I been just... more fun if he got away. Yeah. But I think they needed to martyr him. Um, first of all, I got big school shooter vibes from Paul Dano's version of this. And I it was kind of weird because I was like, of all these like big characters, like, you know, Colin Farrell's penguin was so fucking bonkers that I was like hey come on what are you doing yeah you know he's talking like a fucking Sopranos come on, character it was, like, it was Robert De Niro uh, looked played by Al Pacino or Pesci yeah. or yes Pesci, Pesci, it, Pesci, with the psychoticness yeah. of like Al Pacino and Taxi Vinnie Driver Pesci, like yeah. it was very oh, odd yeah. and I mean it worked but like and then you've got you know emo Batman with the makeup and like there was all and then you've got Selena Kyle and like so there were so many big characters in this and then Paul Dano kind of looks like somebody who might have gotten arrested in 2020 when he stormed the Capitol, you know? Like, <laughs> it, so that kind of fell flat for me. And I was like, oh, is this guy? When he was in costume with the mask, he was very creepy. That's so, a Court of Owls look. Okay. okay. So for him getting caught, I also was like, why? This doesn't make any sense. I, yeah. I thought it would have been more interesting if he had gotten away and just left Gotham to burn. But I also really fucking hated the flood. Yeah. I thought it was so... Odd. I think the the way that they tried to tell the story with this Riddler's intention towards the end, when he's you know orchestrating this grand takedown of people that he hates, he would. They were very clearly trying to emulate the white nationalist movement. I was like, oh yeah, this is almost like a rip from the headline situation. Yeah, I hate that social media Deus Ex Machina. That yeah. And so that was another that was a little weird, heavy-handed. It was yeah. a little like okay, so this is clearly some like fucked up Discord group, but. With the flood, it was like, okay, you need to pick one or the other in terms of what he's doing. It, if they wanted to go that route with this, like, invoking terror and, like, enabling all these sort of lost children, which was kind of what happened in the end of The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. So if they wanted to go that route, they should have just committed to it. But instead, we've got a natural disaster or a bomb plus a bombing. And now we've got shooters in an arena, which was the Thompson Center, so that was fun. So that the was outside. the Thompson Center. From the, from the outside, outside, yeah. Okay. I thought it was Wrigley at first because there's you can see from the pan over that it's the red line. So they were talking about how they composted that, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the like a lot of the close up street level exterior shots were Chicago. Right. The pulled back shots were New York. Yep. And then uh they did some stuff on sound stages in the UK, I think. Uh, a lot of stuff was in the UK, like all of the funeral, the police station. A lot, a lot of the streets of looked like all those stadium. buildings, those gothic-y, yeah, the gothic buildings. Yeah, that looked like almost out of a Harry Potter movie or something. Lots of shots on LaSalle Street because they kept they kept showing the Board of Trade, which is the very end of LaSalle, which is also Thompson Center is on that street, and I. That was also the street where they flipped the truck in the Dark Knight, and so I was, and I just, I used to work on LaSalle, so I was like, oh, you know, that street's super yeah. well. Such a Fun. Pi- picturesque uh, 
it's, yeah. It's yeah. perfect. It's, it's very yeah. cinematic. Well, I can see great. why they filmed that there a bunch. But so with the flood, I was like, and I got it because they needed to show Batman's transition. What they were trying to do is show Batman's transition, like you were mm. talking about earlier, from vengeance to hope. And so they needed, and this was a very heavy-handed imagery where he like lights the, the thi- fucking flare, lights the flare, Where are you and taking these people. The whole city's <laughs> flooded, bro. I know he's like pulling them out of this. He like so, so he falls. The whole thing was I was like, okay, this is just a movie reason situation. He like cuts the electricity before everybody gets electrocuted, and then he falls into the water. I don't know why everybody wasn't already electrocuted by that point. Yeah, yeah but he survives it. And then we get this dark, moody, like, buildup where he, like, is pulling people. But the water is only, like, they're, like, walking across the water. Yeah, I'm like, just, they're not. They just swim down. under that. They're yeah. not in that much danger. Like, you just yeah. got to climb over a up. pipe and, like, you're good. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a good thing, though, because yeah. he's not a very strong Batman. There's not much else he could do for him. Yeah. A very weak man. He, he's good yeah. at solving well, he riddles. he somehow pulled those, you know, those metal things uh, to get those people out of Oh yeah! yeah. Did he, he have like, to pull those? Yeah, things? that's that's the only reason that scene was really there was for him to like pull, and he left people behind too. Oh yeah, he, he really totally like left it. Opened it. And, I'm sorry, and he's you're, like you're too big for me. <laughs> but that's he literally leads them with that flare. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what? A lot of red in that movie. We're just so uh, we're gonna go straight straight ahead. We're gonna go to yeah. the next flooded room. If anyone <laughs> doesn't know how to walk straight, just follow this flare. And then what? we get him doing that thing where he's like ca- literally carrying an injured person in his Batman gear from like one place to a stretcher. And that's one of our first daytime shots in the movie. We don't, this movie like almost completely takes place at night, which makes sense because he is a nocturnal vigilante. But it was, it just, that felt so like we needed to see like Batman the hero. Yeah. And like the most dramatic over the top fashion that I was like, this really lost me because it was just so, felt so obvious. And so, yeah. and it was like silly. And it they was like. They didn't need to con- to convey that idea, but they went, they like beat you over the head with it. Yes. I was like, like we needed to see that transition from I am here only to get revenge to like a beacon of hope. But the path that they used to show us that was just way like it's insulting that Matt Reeves thinks that that's what we need to see to understand that transition. Apparently it was even longer. Really? Really? Oh, my gosh. I will say that I really loved the Gotham in general as like a return to form as a character. Because as much as I love the Christopher Nolan's Batmans, that Gotham City is 100% and obviously Chicago, Illinois. It's not really redressed, but like he didn't really go out of his way to... In The Dark um, Knight Rises, there's a lot of New York exterior shots. Yeah. So it's a combo of New York, Chicago. But yeah, I mean, everybody got familiar with it in The Dark Knight. And it it really just comes down to the Batman versus Dark Knight because nobody really talks about... Batman Begins or Dark Knight Rises as much. But I think Batman Begins is a better Batman movie than Dark Knight. I think Dark Knight's a great movie. Batman Begins is a better job on the Batman character. Yeah, I think better job on the Batman character, but it's only because it's the performance of a lifetime from Heath Ledger that steals it. It's like, you know, I love Christian Bale. He's been great. He's done amazing things. He's He can carry, you know, a batshit fucking crazy movie like American Psycho. He can carry it. But, you know, when you're going against someone that's completely committed themselves to just owning this role, it's going to be hard for anybody to deal with that. You you're know? absolutely right. Yeah, he got you're overshadowed for sure. Right. Totally. But, like, who would, everybody would have. And you should yeah. be overshadowed by the Joker. Like, I think that the 89 Batman is an amazing way of telling a Batman story where Batman is treated like the antagonist is treated in most stories. Batman is the side character, or the, yeah, he's the he's the antagonist. He's the second lead, I guess, and and the the villain is the lead. 
The only movie that's been able to pull it off as well as it did was the 89 Batman. Yeah, he was like mentally unhinged in that movie. Who was? My, the Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne character. Oh, in 89 Batman? Oh, yeah. That man was not right in the head. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that one in so long. I want to watch it. Let's it's, get nuts. It's on Hulu. God, I watched so it the other night. I don't like that movie. Is it Michael Keaton? Yeah, it's Michael yeah. Keaton. He's good. He's but... great as unhinged. Ro- I think Robert Wool steals the show. I mean, there's a lot There's a <laughs> lot that does not follow the, the comics in that movie, but they do the storyline very, very well in how they handle the, the use of the character. But, but how about For that sure. VHS cover, man? Oh, you can't be there. There isn't one. There's nothing better than that. <laughs> that that VHS cover is better than some movies. It's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely liked a lot more than I disliked, and I listened to a lot of bad reviews of of this movie, and a lot of them are like just very unfounded. It, it it's always like Dark Knight was so much better, and it's just a comparison, and it's like people took the length and like that was the reason they didn't like the movie or people took you know the emo batman and they're like that's why this movie was was bad i'm always willing to forgive a lot of things in movies if other things make up for it you know like the cinematography without be without getting like nerdy technical they use these old school kinds of lenses called anamorphic lenses which it's just a different way to like for the for the light to hit the sensor and they got these intentionally out of tuned lenses Matt Reeves and Greg Frazier did to like get this specific look for Batman and oh, I just thought the 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 look of Gotham was just great I thought Selena Kyle did great I was, Zoe Kravitz did great yeah, we haven't hardly talked about they didn't, her I, she felt underutilized in some ways because Agreed. like all the other Catwomans before her got really great stealing scenes, and she only really got to steal a passport. And didn't even get Halle it, like, Barry, you know, she was like, well, let's not she wasn't even stealing cat- anything. <laughs> yeah, but. let's, Halle Berry's Catwoman was not in canon, let's not even go there. I'm talking about Michelle Pfeiffer and even Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. Them stealing was so fun. It's when those little ethical moments where you're like, ooh, do I want yeah. the bad girl to win? You it know? was really that scene where she stole, character. she stole that thing out of the safe when Batman showed up. I a think passport. That was only, yeah, yeah, that, that was, was it. That was only... her only... So I hope they alluded that like maybe she'll come back because her and Batman always have this like, will they, won't they tentative sort of truce thing. But I did think the comment that she made at the end was really funny. She was like, you want to go take out some CEOs with me? She says to the trust fund baby. I was like, girl, <laughs> yeah. he's one. yeah. Like, and she are, knows this too because she said you clearly li- like lived as a rich kid at one point. Yeah, she yeah. She movie. calls him out for it. Yeah. yeah it's like, who do you think this is in that case? Like, there's only like one rich kid with nothing else going on right now. Yeah, the one who's been like hiding away for the last. Yeah, there's like one rich kid in Gotham City, and it's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, and I you, thought that chemistry was incredible though. Like, I agree. So well together. Yeah, when I they agree. like when she's there to steal from the the passport, and he catches her, and they're he's like holding her, and they're like hiding from the guard. I was like, "Ooh, that's good, good job!" Like yeah. this was a good match; those two together. Yeah, their chemistry was good. That was something that constantly came up on some of the bad reviews I listened to. Is that people were like, their chemistry was horrible, oh. and it's just you know pe- people being haters, but. Yeah. Um, I didn't like her mask. They under they was oh like, god, her mask was so dumb. Like you couldn't have given her <laughs> just over the nose. Like nobody like just give her something silly. a little bit nicer. I yeah. know that she's like she's also we get like a young Selena Kyle. We don't get Catwoman at her prime here. We don't get Michelle Pfeiffer in a let's do let's do a suit. test real quick. CJ, cover your nose. Just put your hand over your nose. 
I have no idea where he went. I don't know who this man is. It works. It it's it yeah, works. Especially with a face like Zoe Kravitz, who's like got one of the most striking faces. Yeah. You know, her cheekbones are like I'm like, okay, you can't tell me that you look at her and be like, Oh, I don't know who that woman is. You yeah. Know, like. And also you made the point too, in the Nolan Batmans, you see Gordon's family, you see people living their yes. everyday lives. We were leaving the theater and Anna was like, Who the fuck would choose to live in Gotham? Like there's, it's mobsters and cops and Batman and like, that's it. It's also like really dirty. They make it a point in the beginning to show you like trash. And I was like, God, just let it burn. Yuck. Can I I ask something Is it worth it? uh, Regarding the storyline. They kept calling Falcone a rat for, I'm not really sure what made him a rat and why the Riddler cared about that. Because like, the, the point that they say, I think, in the third act is that Falcone was a rat because he ratted out Maroney. But he didn't actually rat out Maroney. Like, he would have had to rat the guy out to the cops or to, like, the political officials or whatever that they that the Riddler kept killing. But he just paid those people off. Like, they were on yeah, his payroll. That's really so he interesting. Just kind of, uh, he, he, like, his empire was already expanded. So in what way is he a rat? Because they told us he was the rat. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, that's I'm it. Not, I really don't know. Like, how can he have the police in his pocket, but then also be an informant? Yeah, and the police that's work for him, they said. So what is what is the Riddler's problem here? And, like, the Riddler seemed pissed off that, like, uh, that all these horrible people running Gotham made his orphanage go downhill. His orphanage went downhill because the Waynes died and... Like, and then that got, money got misappropriated. I guess. And so why is he mad at Bruce Wayne? Did he, like, expect this kid who's who just watched his parents die, like, do something about the orphanage? Yeah, because wasn't Bruce Wayne, like, 10 or something when his yeah, parents died? Yeah, a little kid. Yeah. Like, why is he mad at Bruce Wayne? And why is he mad at the Waynes in general? His master plan in general, I feel like, for as much as they built up his character, and they did very well, you would think that this master plan that involves him getting caught and arrested would be something more grand than to just have all your Twitch followers meet you at the Coliseum and then just, like, start blasting everybody. Like, you can make fun of Batman forever as much as you want, but Jim Carrey's master plan to get that, like, brainwave device, it was, like, this antenna that he wanted to get installed in all of the homes in Gotham City that was, like, subconsciously sucking their brainwaves, and it would, like, channel them to the Riddler's lair. So ridiculous. And it all came down in this, like, neon green stream, (laughs) and he wore this, like, plunger on his head. But, like, it's very comic booky. but, like... It's better than what we got. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so in that way, the villain's motivations were unclear. Like, he, he wanted revenge on all these people and somehow thought that the Batman would align himself with him because he was taking out these corrupt politicians and these people that were... You know, stealing from the city, we're making this. The, Batman the hadn't taken place. out any corrupt politicians. No, he was, was taking out low-level street crime. You know, yeah. like yeah, he, he was. Like the Riddler was the one taking out the politics, and Batman was working with the police, who the Riddler hated. Yeah, so his his intentions were unclear, and I mean, like I got that he was like, we're gonna take these people out, but then there's like the one person worth like hoping for, the new mayor, who's clearly meant to be like the champion of like the actual Gotham. He's like, we're gonna shoot her. Yeah. And it was like, wait a second. She's just said she's you, on your side. She's, she's right. got, we've got the one good mayoral her, candidate. Her platform yeah. is everything you support. Yeah. 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 He said that like, oh, they're all the same. Like at one point he said something to that effect, which in reality is, is correct. They yeah, are all the he's same. He's got a point there. But, but in the movie, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
I find it very difficult to like understand exactly why he was doing what he was doing, how he knew what he knew, and why he felt that what he knew amounted to what he made, like the decisions that he made. Like, in what way? Like, he made the assumption that Batman was secretly an orphan because he said, You and I are both orphans, and we probably are both orphans from that same orphanage. And Bruce Wayne's not a real orphan, and that's why we should kill him. And it's like, I don't, I don't get this. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 what, what, what? Yeah. I think maybe they were also trying to allude that maybe the Riddler was like mentally ill in some way with all that, sh- like oh. all the scribblings all over his apartment. But he was, he was lucid enough to execute this like pretty fucking complicated series lucid of events. Lucid and sympathetic. He was sympathetic towards other people, towards yeah. Batman, who he thought was also an orphan. So clearly he's not. He's like a he's not so he's not a, a sociopath, right? Yeah, he, he's not a psychopath to that degree. They're, they're like so, I think maybe what they what I would guess they're going to do in the next one, which if the last couple scenes where he's in Arkham next to the Joker and they're like laughing maniacally, is that the Riddler will descend further into whatever is wrong with him under the Joker's impression, and like they'll bust out of Arkham and we'll get, you know, Riddler Part Two. He'll probably get axed early because he's not going to be the main stage. And we'll get a new Joker because that was what they were trying to tell us when it, so the movie upset. tried to end 15 times. It just makes me mad that like people are presenting this as some great new version of the characters and, and the film and that everything was just so half-assed. I, I felt I, that it just it lacked the execution at the end. Like I felt there was such a, a strong buildup, at least from my side. And I'm not as like, you know, efficient when it comes to like storytelling and things like that as you guys are. Like I can... I'm, I can eat that popcorn, listen to that, love the visuals. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty. Fucking ace, um, absolutely. But, you know, I was completely let down where it went. Like, as soon as the mask came off the Riddler, like, I was, yeah, mm, this is not that, As soon as they good. were, like, into the light, and I was like, are you fucking serious? We're talking about that one street light? That's, that's where it started to, like, <laughs> pew for me. Yeah. It just, and then it just started to not make as much sense. Like, everything that you just talked through, I was like, hold on a second. So it was this and this, and we've gone through this whole thing with Falcone, and now we've got, like, the A and the B plot got fucked up. They couldn't figure out what was the A plot and what was the B plot at the end. So when it came time to wrap up the loose ends of the story, the A plot is clearly supposed to be Batman's arc from vengeance to hope and what that means, and that's the meat of the story. And the B plot is supposed to be something else they couldn't quite figure out where they wanted to weave that together so and it was like the b and the c plot like it didn't quite work and like and so when it came time to wrap it all up together it didn't hit story beats in the way that would like make sense to a viewer that like this is how it ends and that's also why the movie didn't end itself well like it it had all those false endings and that happens quite a bit i think in movies but like there were several times where i was like okay this is it no this is it no this is it okay now we get five more minutes of them racing motorcycles and then it was actually it. And it, yeah, there was like four B plots, and none of them were that great. Yeah, I mean, the A is Batman from Vengeance to Hope. The B is the Riddler fucking with him. There's the C with Catwoman and how she's looped into uh, Falcone's mafia, and they try to like weave them together. And I think it's because of what Sam explained that they pulled from these source comics. And didn't plot them out right. And they didn't seem to understand the characters that they were using. Yeah. Not even Batman they understood. Yeah, you can't take elements from five different stories. Five different stories with like five different archetypal villains. And these are archetypal stories like that explain these villains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they're just pushing everybody into this Riddler story. 
Yeah. yeah. Penguin didn't really even need to be there. Exactly. I mean, he, he's set up for the HBO series. That's what my soul thought oh was. Oh, my God. Oh. That's what's is there be. a series? Yeah. He did a There's great job. Yeah, he, I, but it was good like, enough for me to watch yeah. whatever comes out. I'll watch you know? it. Yeah. But, but not like along the lines of a Batman villain. And why do they call him the Penguin? They didn't really get into that. See, that's where oh, I yeah, think that was, I saw that Danny DeVito's, you can't touch that performance. And it's like, why do we do the Penguin again if you're not going to make him like supernatural type of character? Like him just being a mafia boss. Like, yeah, I felt like they were trying to reach to make it dark. And like, you can't really tell where they're going with it, but it's grounded. You know, like mm-hmm. I felt that was kind of like dumb for you know. Yeah, it's contradictory. Yeah. Theatrics and the grounded situation. Yeah. Like, make up your mind. The design of the characters, those two villains I really liked. Because I don't know if you ever saw Gotham. I watched like two episodes and like, nope. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really stupid show. But the villains at one point were Penguin and Riddler. And they were both played by like 28-year-old WB actors. But one of them so literally like, had a top hat yeah. and a monocle. And like walked like Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. And then the other one who played the Riddler had a neon green jacket with like question marks all over it. So it was like, wow, you guys really did not try too hard with this one. So I do like that they took some bold choices with the design of the characters. And the opening scene with the Riddler in that mansion, when the guy's on the landline, and then he like bends down and you just see those whites of the ice Uh, behind. That was really good. And I think that the score coming back to that, it was such a straight horror score. You know, a lot of it was, the music was good. It just wasn't good for that movie. If you take out the motif, I'm in for that score. Yes, you yes. You know, like, I'm down with that. If you write something different for that motif, then maybe I'll be like, that was a fantastic score. But Yeah. It felt really, the score really felt such forgettable for me. Guy. Yeah, you're willing to see the good at it. I, I was really disappointed in the music because there was so much opportunity to be so much more memorable. And even with that Nirvana lick that, they did repeat a lot. And even with the Ave Maria, which they used too much, it lost its ability to be impactful by the third time. Is saying, okay, we get it. This is Schubert's Ave Maria. Even for people who are not like big classical music people, they rec- it's recognizable. We have all heard it at some point for the most part. It just, it really, it was like, it didn't stand out in any way. And I was like, so kind of disappointed because we've had Because they did really- it multiple times. Like yeah. you want to, it's, it's just like, We've had some great fucking Batman scores. Yeah. And very different from each other. Danny Elfman's was so different from Hans Zimmer's. Right. Well, Hans Zimmer, you know, his was like the pulse of. Yes. And he talks about tempo so much when he talks about that score. Uh, He couldn't do what Elfman was trying to do because it's a more grounded world. Yeah. You know, so like it is just like this pulse that's keeping things moving. Should have done Clint Mansell. Ooh, that'd be twisted. No, no. I'm up against him in an, uh, for an award, so. I know. Well, I know. I already voted for you. Thank you. I yeah. did, too. Ooh, why don't you Appreciate tell, tell yeah. I'm still what trying to decide award? who I want to yeah. vote for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see how it is. What's, no, what I voted for you for, twice. CJ? I don't know if you can, but I, I went in incognito mode for that shit. Fangoria, right? Yeah, if I can do a quick little plug, it'd be amazing. Uh, so uh, the movie Hurt I did a couple of years ago, which just came out, available on Apple TV Plus for streaming or rent or purchase. Um, it got nominated for a Fangoria Award for Best Score. Um, now, normally, you know, Fangoria is, is pretty big in the horror community. But it's not that big, um, you know, in general. But I'm up against John Carpenter for Halloween Kills, which is super dope. 
uh, and Clint Manziel, who is like a huge name, done a, a ton of really great scores. So if you could go to Fangoria.com, they ha- you just like it should be one of the first things there. It says Fangoria Awards. If you click on that, I'm under Best Score, C.J. Johnson, and my co-writer Tom Schrader. So if you vote for me, that'd be super amazing. Hell yeah! I think C.J. Johnson would have made a great score for the Batman. Definitely, they should think about him as the person to score the next Batman film and just turn into like this, on my shoulders. this horror Batman movie <laughs> composed by C.J. Johnson. I would love to see a straight horror Batman, though. Like, we we were, like, teased it, and then it just didn't, you know. Well, there's that, Ar- there's that Arkham Asylum Batman that's horror as hell. Yeah, so I'm there was a lot of story that was taken from the Batman games, which we won't get into, but, I mean. I guess all that comes from the comic books, right? Because the Batman games was all based on the comic books. Yeah, I was talking about right? the, Arkham, the Arkham Asylum Batman comic. It's oh, okay. Fucked up. So there's an original story game called Arkham Knight. Oh. And there's also stuff in this Batman from that. So, like, that just compounds the point you were making about too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, not too many cooks, writers, but, like, too many ingredients. I mean, there are just way too many ingredients. They needed to... This this was a first draft, it looked like, and they rushed it real fast. Like, you gotta... You wanna make a great film, It's it's gotta start on the, on the page. And they even had time to, like, go over this, too, with... COVID delays and everything. Yeah. Like, I'll give it that, that, you know, this is one of the first gigantic productions that came out of COVID. So yeah. maybe there was, you know, not enough people like being in the room together and being able to iron these things out. But it's yeah. still like, you know, get on that Skype call, talk about, hey, you know, maybe this, maybe this isn't connecting the way we thought. But it seems like it's just Matt Reeves and the co-writer that like had a specific vision and then maybe were like fighting amongst themselves to try and get their parts in. Yeah, this, maybe there should have been a writer's room. They need an action director to write like a noir Batman. Ooh, John script. McTiernan. He's free. Dude, McTiernan would be don't even joke. That would be sweet. But like that's the problem with the Nolan movies is the action. They're they're finding like drama directors to do these Batman films, and you need an action director who can direct a well written Batman noir like if you look at um if you look at john frankenheimer with ronin he had david mamet write ronin there was another guy who i think wrote more whatever and frankenheimer is he's a brilliant action director he invented the chase scene and he takes somebody else's story he doesn't try to write it himself and he fucking made ronin this great film but then you look at the some of his other stuff that he did it's not so great because they're using him for other types of films like find a director that fits the what you want like let the story tell itself there is a movie that came out recently that suffered from the same uh i think storytelling dysfunction that this batman movie suffered from and it was the eternals and i think what happened there is you have a story that was too ambitious and so it fell apart because you didn't get to really investigate where this needed to go you it's almost like you can't see the forest for the trees so it's not like necessarily terrible. And I, I think that's my opinion towards both the Eternals and the Batman that like this wasn't necessarily like a bad movie, but there was a lot that just didn't work. And so and I think maybe it's because they have a drama director doing this because Chloe Zhao did the Eternals. 
And she is... I mean, Matt Reeves, I wouldn't say is a drama director. I don't know much about his... his but I mean, oh, I mean, you mentioned what he did, point, but yeah. His and, action isn't... I mean, it's nothing to write home about, especially that chase scene. I mean, yeah, he only has four movies under his belt. But oh, I the totally, chase I kind of liked the chase scene. The, yeah, the highway chase, I thought I, was great. If I great. could see what was happening, would have been better, because I was like, this is extremely dark. And yeah. I know that that's the point, but I can't tell which car is which right now. Yeah, I, th- I really liked the... That would be my reason for revisiting the movie. From when the car is introduced to where he chases down the penguin, all to ask him who the informant is. And the penguin's like, I don't know. Batman's like, oh, shit. All right. Well, sorry, everybody <laughs> who died on the interstate for that. Yeah. Seriously. Totally they pointless. They leave him chained up like a penguin. That's really the only imagery that we get Bro. of him being a distinct yeah. penguin. There's yeah, also they just like leave tie. him there at a warehouse <laughs> zip there, tie. There was also some levity in the Nolan movies with some humor that I think really helped. I mean, yeah. this movie was so bleak. It was so miserable. I know yeah. it was supposed this is to a be a joyless Gotham. Yeah, it's a joyless Gotham. There's a scene with the thumb driver, like, aha. That's my. It can I hate be joyless drives. if it's got energy. So it was joyless and it lacked energy. Yeah, and momentum. Yeah. So what percentage of the movie do you think you liked versus that you didn't like? Like for me, I think I liked like 70, 75%. Ooh, I'm probably closer to 50, maybe Ooh. even 40, 40% Yikes. liked and disliked. And that's changed over the week, right? Well, I had to, I walked out of that thinking, I, I don't think I liked that very much. I had to kind of think about it a little bit. And there were parts, I, I always want to try to pick the parts that I definitely did like. You know, I liked Zoe Kravitz as... Catwoman, I liked that it felt so gothic because that was kind of fun. I like gothic stuff. And we don't get a ton of gothic movies, especially outside of horror. We don't get a lot of that. So I was like, cool, this is fun. This is like, you know, my the teenager in me that was for sure emo really liked the imagery. But uh, on that, I don't really know what else I liked. I mean, Colin Farrell, even though the Penguin I thought was totally not necessary, I was like, wow, what a what a character. Like, I'm excited I, to see him in that spinoff that's yeah. like the yeah. Penguin story. I can't see I him in there. Do it. I was watching it and I was like, I know it's you, Colin. I'm trying to find you mm. in that fat suit. It was very hard to see any Colin. So, And he's a great character actor. Yeah. He's really great. And he doesn't get as much credit, I think, as he deserves. Nope. He's, um, he's also in recovery. A little fun fact for you. Oh, there you go. How about you, Sam? What percentage? I don't know, man. Maybe uh, ten to twenty percent. It was. Uh, wow, you liked it ten percent. Yeah. What? I liked seeing the Chicago. Do you want your cityscape. money back? It made a lot of things made me mad about it. <laughs> it made like a lot of things made me mad. like. F- fuck you for saying that you don't have to do any exercising. You don't have to eat well. You don't have to like sleep yeah. right. You don't have to do any of this stuff to go and beat up a bunch of people and like be a hero to a city. You're not earning anything in this movie. And that's what yeah. really made me And mad. he's such a good actor, too. He's come so far. Like, his movie Good Time, and he was in... Um, I meant the character, like, Bruce Wayne. Oh, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Bruce, that man is emaciated. Yeah. Mm. Who well, are that's you what fighting? I mean. Like, that made me his, so mad. It was why do you know some, so much about an, cars? What are you doing all day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Journaling and yeah. looking at cars on the internet. Yeah. Eat a meal, kid. You've got a butler. And yeah. then a maid. Nobody found that damn social media thing that the Riddler was posting. Oh, oh we're all going to buy a bunch of fucking AR-17s or whatever they had and go out and shoot everyone. No one noticed that. We're going to sh- shoot the mayor of the city. I will say yeah. that when he came on the screen, he was like, hey, guys, I fucking lost it. I was like, you know, just because <laughs> I, I watched yeah. him on a YouTube. I, and I, I, was yeah. like, oh, this is I kept picturing face. Paul Dano's pudgy looking face underneath the mask, just yelling. <laughs> Never know what I'm going to linger on. I'm like, oh, Paul, what the fuck? I give like, I'm going 
I'm going probably 70 to 75% as well. Like, there is a lot of it that I really enjoyed, but I'm such a Batman like freak. Like, I love Batman. DJ, I love Batman too, which is why I'm so mad. No, I understand. Yeah. And I get, I totally get your point. Uh, I get your point. And I apologize for saying no, that. No, no, you're, <laughs> you're good. Like, I can understand from a talented writer's viewpoint that they didn't go the whole way. You know, like, that's, I can understand that frustration. And I, I agree with you. Like, you know, but I from a talented composer and film editor's viewpoint, I really appreciate everything that you are saying about Batman. But I, I loved the I loved the cinematography. It looks dope. You know, seeing Chicago is always great. Yeah, yep, except that the, the Affleck Batman, and I know yeah, we're we can out of time, we cannot like, get excited about Affleck Batman. He makes me mad. The the way you feel about the Batman, I think, is the way that I felt about Batman v Superman, and just like Affleck's performance in general it's not just affleck it's also Zack snyder yeah who is my arch nemesis in filmmaking i hate everything that man has ever done even 300 I, even 300 oh, especially okay. 300. i fucking hated 300 i, a, I hated I was, everything besides 300 if, and that's, i like going I, really, I wanted to watch a three-hour movie in slow motion Dawn of the dead was good i, I would like slow I, I would slow a 90 minute movie down like it i hate Zack snyder's it's, movies it's, everything he does is just so self-congratulatory and it's just very gratuitous and like we we get style it style is yeah. not for me i, I, I gotta say just i gotta say that as far as that the the snyder cut of the justice league being a self-congratulatory director i think was very good for the for the version of those characters that he was putting on screen they are considered in the dc universe these these characters are treated like gods and so the fact that you've got a guy who thinks himself a god and can portray that on screen it fit pretty well with that it, I mean, it's. I thought that he did really well with the story he was trying to sell. It's God's Among Us. It's injustice. It's a lot of stuff that he did right to those characters, but they were in every other iteration vastly underutilized. And yeah, the DC universe just is so muddled. I, it's hard to compare what Marvel has done to what DC is trying to do. But just the fact that we have we have a continuation of the DC universe. Like we get, we're getting a Flash movie with with Michael Keaton as Batman. Are you serious? Yes. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Okay. Flashpoint paradox. So we have the Flash, and we have Ezra Miller as the Flash, and they're great. I love Ezra Miller. And then we've got this other Batman trilogy kicking off with Robert Pattinson. We had Ben Affleck as a a not great Batman not that long ago in Justice League iterations. Now we've got Michael Keaton as Batman in the Flash. It's like, pick, pick a, pick a Batman and just put him in everything. Well, like Marvel has such a singular vision. Yes, that's the thing, and they've got, and you can and talk they're about really good about their continuity. I'm personally they're very formulaic in their films. Oh yeah, I oh, do like hundred percent. But that's why they work so well. Yeah, and I mean like, a music cue tells you what's about to happen. Literally, yeah, it's it doesn't. But you know, anyway, it just like the Marvel, the, the DC stuff, which sucks because I love Wonder Woman. Obviously, like I'm a girl, like for me. We even loved the second Wonder Woman. I liked the second Wonder Woman, but it just gets so fucking muddled that I'm like, I'm sorry, what storyline are we following now? And now we got a whole new Batman to contend with all this? I did not feel like this movie felt like a superhero movie, which I really appreciated because Batman is different in all the other superheroes because he's not really a superhero. Right. He's a masked vigilante. There was no singular traumatic experience that like turned him into this other person that's what i really appreciated about this movie is like you know it went even darker 
you yeah. know, like than than the Nolan films that tried to do it. I mean, of course, Batman is a dark figure. All of the stuff, you know, is is relatively on the fringe of horror. So I'm somewhat worried about, you know, say if they take the studio decides we want to be more like Marvel. We want to have more of this superhero vibe, you know, like that worries me. About. I don't need the superhero vibes. What I would like is the continuity. That's fair. And the cohesiveness. Totally. Well, because I, it's so fucking jumbled that I don't even know, well, you know. They, yeah, they tried that, but then they, they screwed it up pretty royally by just jumping into a Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Movie. Instead of like, like if for whatever reason, they feel like they shouldn't have to or don't need to like explore Batman's origins when they introduce a new Batman. But it's actually not really true because you're introducing Batman to this universe to this this universe that you're trying to develop so when they were trying to do like a justice league thing which would have been a continuity thing like they started with superman that was full rife with story problems and then they should have done a single a solo batman they should have done like solo all these other characters just like marvel did like the marvel's way of doing things was right yeah they built it to make it what it is now and so we've got this like canonical backlist of everything and it yeah i think you're totally right sam like just like they jumped in too quick the superman and like they had a great superman i mean the movies weren't great but they had Henry a great Cavill superman was perfect superman yeah they're oh, i yeah. mean he look he is superman but yeah. the movies i know they kind of fell apart i just i will always remember from superman i just i have to i think about this anytime somebody brings up superman when his dad dies in the superman movie oh in that hurricane or in the tornado, tornado and he's just like i'm gonna drive into the tornado and he's like okay and like, uh, to I'm like, prove a point. Why? This isn't Twister. Yeah. Like, why does he have to drive? <laughs> it doesn't have to be this way. I don't know why they killed his dad. Like, because his dad is tragedy. Exactly. His because dad is still alive in the mo- in in the comics. Like, his parents are fine in the comics. I don't know why they keep killing his dad in these movies. Because <laughs> tragedy. We got to have sympathy for him somehow. I know. I agree. It's a it's a know, it's a right. cheap storytelling device. But I just I always think about that. And I'm like, and his dad. Oh fuck. What? Who was his dad? Um. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner just like getting into the truck and driving away. I'm like, to a tornado? Where are you going? Yeah, that was pretty silly. Anyway, CJ, what were you that rant. I think one thing that I kind of find find kind of fascinating is how much more money the Joker, which is something that I think was even more dark and more it took itself, or at least tried to, you know, as much as Todd Phillips can take things seriously and still like have a studio sign off on it. Uh, made a billion dollars as opposed to the Batman, which should make much more money or like real close. It's only sitting at like 300 million right now. Yeah. You and it's been out for a month. Oh. Well, that's because that's because the storyline in the Joker is cohesive. It treats its audience with right. respect. Yes. And it tells an accurate, uh, it, like it's, a, it's an accurate depiction of, of society's stance right now. Like it's not dumbing things down. It's not telling you, that you're wrong about certain things politically. It's not making, uh, well, I mean, the statement that it's making is a very powerful one that people relate to, whereas the Batman one is very difficult to make. And yeah. not make. The Joker was also very timely in when right. it came out. It That's was fair. like the perfect time to have this conversation around movies and to see the treatment of people with mental health and like all the things that the Joker, kind of, I mean, he, like, he, he, didn't, he didn't really stand for too much, but he was very powerful in what he stood for. And this sort of anarchist wave that he unleashed as this sort of symbol of of everything that that the Joker went through. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like Sam, you're totally right that like it didn't treat its audience like an idiot. Yeah. It was like it was clearly meant for an adult audience, but I think 
teenagers watched that movie and, and totally got it for what it was. And it was rated R, which yeah. is yeah. nice. Yeah, I think the demographic for Marvel movies is, you know, anywhere from seven to 55. You know, there's it's such a wide demographic. And when you make a rated R, I don't even really consider it as part of the DC universe because it was so its own thing. And I loved it. It was great. But I feel like when you have a movie that's R and a very specific narrow demographic, it's got to be a lot less pressure to please so many people. And I thought I thought the Joker was great. You think they'll combine? Would you would you watch that Joaquin Phoenix in as a Joker in like the Batman? I think that's the goal of this. I think that's why they made this movie. Oh, I don't think Joaquin would do it because they had someone cast as the Joker in this. Right, yeah, it was the dude from Eternals, Barry Barry Keegan or whatever, and he was good. He was fine in the Eternals, but like, I don't really want to see him as the Joker. He was good in Killing the Sacred Deer. Like when I went to look up who oh. that person was, it's like, okay, oh, yeah, that, that guy, kid, that kid's pretty oh good. The guy that always looks tired. But I, I really would. Yeah, maybe you're right that Joaquin Phoenix wouldn't do it. That's probably. I really know, doubt I, he I would understand. even do it. I mean, it would be fun to think about it, but I, I don't know who doubt. I would. That's root where for. I'm like, let's do it, please. <laughs> you know, Robert Pattinson versus Joaquin Phoenix. If Batman doesn't get murdered, it's not true. Like, there's no way that that yeah. version of the Batman that I saw in the Batman could hold his own against the Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Because even as, like, the skinny, sickly, like, he was, they were, like, pound for pound for each other. Yeah, well, that's a very good point. Another point is that the Joker aims for the head. <laughs> yeah, he's going for the juggler no matter yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, when he shoots a gun, he literally is aiming for the head. Or if the reason Batman survived is because everyone was shooting at his chest. Yes, yeah, so you need to go for the mouthpiece. He got shot so many times in the Batman. Yeah. Just one bullet to the mouth. Just yeah. one bullet. Just like try. Everybody's Just shooting try. him See where he's works. clearly armored, mm. but you there's this, and it's like, try this one. Just, try Just for give this. it a shot, literally. I did like that scene where... You know, like, there's all that machine gun fire, and he's yeah. coming through it. And it reminded me a lot, like, when you said, you know, Greg Frazier had done the cinematography. It's like, oh, he's doing a Vader-type situation where he's coming through the darkness, and the only thing you see is, you know, either the lightsaber or the machine gun fire. And I was like, you know, it was, like, a somewhat predictable shot, but I love it because it's just... I think it's CJ, cool. you know so much more than I do about this, and I wish that you had brought stuff like that up, like, an hour ago. Oh my god, that was fa- I was fascinated. I was riveted by two minutes of what you just said. Well, yeah. it was cool. Yeah, the the um, I listened to this Dolby podcast with the cinematographer and the colorist for Batman, which was really interesting because they went to every location, to every scene with these lenses to test them. The technical backside of the of like the post production of this movie, I walked away from the podcast like I respect the movie a lot more than I liked it. You know, you you listen to all this and you're like, holy shit. For sure. You guys did all of that? It was it was really the storytelling that I think was the major letdown. Yeah. It looked beautiful. Uh, and they even used, I forget how, what they call it, but the screens that they use for Mandalorian. Skyline, they use that a lot. Oh, yeah, Batman. the big screens. Yeah. Hmm. Sarah had mentioned that before we went in and we were, you couldn't, you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just like the Mandalorian where it's really tough to be like, oh, that looks like that was... I'm excited for that whole world to keep continuing to grow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say overall, I liked it a lot more than I disliked it. The stuff that I liked, I loved. And the stuff that fell flat really took me out of it. Like the third act, 
and Bruce's physique were like two of my biggest beefs with that movie. But I would definitely watch it again with somebody who hadn't seen it before. To be able to have that discussion with them afterwards was really exciting because I got to see the Batman with Sam, and I know Sam is a huge Batman fan, so I felt very privileged to be able to watch that with him. And so it it sparks conversation in the best way that movies can. So I would definitely watch it again for the after conversation. But story-wise, I would probably like it less than the first time because I'm usually a sucker for big blockbuster epics. Like, I walked out of the theater like, this is probably the best movie I've ever seen. Like, this is <laughs> this was amazing. And then, obviously, we've talked about, you know, some problems and stuff. But, yeah, I, uh, do you have any closing thoughts for Batman? I uh, just uh, hope they try harder for the next one. <laughs> Maybe they will. Maybe we'll have a situation where the sequel is better than the first. I won't see this again. It depends on who's in this next one and what the villains are. I might not even see the second one. Not totally sold on the whole franchise as they are. We get another Joker and it's not Joaquin Phoenix. I don't see the point. There's no way that that person can stand up. No. Couldn't be worse than Jared Leto. Oh, Jesus. He, more, I think he Morbius. thinks he's going to be in it. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that he's convinced that he's going to be in this universe. Wait, isn't he? Because he's playing a killer oh, bat. Morbius? Morbius? Oh oh, yeah. Have you seen the trailer so for that? Talk so about stupid. worst movie ever. I haven't seen it, but I guarantee you it's going to be bad. It you, looks so fucking stupid. I can't even it. looks so it. outdated. Like, it should have come out 10 years ago, and it still would not have been. It should have never come out. <laughs> Nobody yeah. should have ever spent the money they spent on that movie because it looks so stupid. What are your thoughts, CJ? Well, first, I feel bad for Jared Leto, uh, you know, because he's done like he's there's been a couple times when I think he needs a strong director with a strong vision and then he'll nail whatever that role is. Like House of Gucci. Did you yeah, see that? I didn't. But it was you know, great. Dallas Buyers Club, House of Gucci. Yeah. Uh, Requiem for a Dream. Like yeah. when someone that he respects as the director, he knocks it out of the park. I think he hands himself over and he can do it, you know? What an interesting critique, because House of Gucci was Ridley Scott. Yeah, and he's, of course, and he's going to do whatever I thought he did great He's the movie. weakest link in House of Gucci, though. Oh, I need to see that. He's surrounded by Academy yeah. Award winners, including yeah. himself. He, he is, I know. But he, yeah, it's worth it. But in pertaining to the Batman, I loved it because I love Batman, and I love that it like made me go through watching everything and revisiting the animated series, which I highly recommend, HBO Max. I would definitely see a second one, but I, I agree with, Anna, that I, we don't need another Joker. Scarecrow is personally my favorite villain, and I would love to see it, even yeah. though Cillian Murphy killed it. Or, you know, let's see a Killer Croc. There's so many oh, different dude. ones that we can, can we get see. a Mr. Freeze? Yeah. <laughs> That's Freeze been in the works, too. Victor Freeze. Yeah. He's a great villain. And the backstory to that, I didn't really know or pay attention that much to because Arnold is too ridiculous. But dude. the episode yeah. for the animated series came, and it's a heartbreaking. One, so they something could, about then, saving they his invented, wife or something. They invented yeah. the backstory for the animated series, and then that was so strong that they kept that as wow. his official backstory. That's awesome. I'd love yeah. to see a poison ivy again. Yeah, hell yeah, she was ridiculous. Yep. Oh, and I did want to mention: Did anybody wonder? Well, you guys probably knew the green stuff that Batman injected himself with towards the end of the Is Batman that venom or something. That was like adrenaline. So that was supposed to be Bane venom. And I guess early in the comics, I forget which one, but Batman had a substance abuse problem with Bane's venom because it's supposed to just like heighten all of your physical senses. And uh, so I guess that was like a little throwback. But I was like, no, no, no. When we were watching, I was like, no, 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 go back. 
You got to explain that. Yeah. You got to explain that because that's that not an little, EpiPen. That was a little yeah. Easter egg thing that they threw in because I thought it was adrenaline and it wasn't until I'm like doing my nerd dives that I was like, Venom, what the fuck is that? You know? See, I Sorry. would love for them to do Bane the right way. Bane is like a, a You didn't a think Tom Hardy do it, did it well? I don't think that they explored that character very well at all in that's Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I, I also couldn't I, understand like, him. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's yeah, like, he's he's this, uh, he's, a, he's a genius mafioso from another country. I think he's... It's a Spanish country. And he comes to Gotham to take over the city. To, like, follow his actual backstory would have been pretty interesting, I think. You said Spanish mafioso, and the first actor that popped in my head was Javier Bardem. Ooh, I was thinking Brendan Fraser. Javier Bardem as the <laughs> as Bane? Yeah. I'll take it. Think about that I'll voice. Think about his voice. Oh, yeah, the voice. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch the fuck out of that movie. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah oh, that'd be Tom good. Hardy. Get on it, Matt Reeves. He'll be clowned on for the rest of his life. He's got Venom. He's fine. He's doing Venom. He's doing oh, yeah, just he's fine. He's great, uh. and he's done you know enough stuff that he, we all know how great of an actor he is. Star but, Trek Nemesis. Oh, yeah. But I will always be like, Tom Hardy. Or I can't do it. But, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, his voice You were born so in the darkness? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was born in it. Like, okay, wait, where are you from? <laughs> If you want to check out the rest of our podcasts, you can go to soundcloud.com slash movieshowtheater. You can also find it anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find our Movie Show Theater Facebook page. You can send us a message, give us an idea of a movie to do, because we would like to talk about what you would like to talk about. And you can check out the link in our show notes for the Fangoria competition that CJ is up for an award. Please, I love you forever. Please vote. He would very much appreciate it. And until next time, I'm Jimmy. I'm Sam. I'm Anna. I'm CJ. And this has been Movie Show Theater. Stay movies, everyone. Stay movies.